0: Gracias.
1: Good evening. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to our evening worship service here at GPC. Welcome to our new sanctuary here at Germantown Presbyterian Church and our activity center. It's a great joy to welcome everybody to this worship service tonight. Thank you one and all for your presence here, worshiping with us, of course, in person. But thank you also for those of you who are joining us online. We're delighted that we can have this service live streamed and that you can join us from your living room From the comfort of your own home, if you're not able to get out tonight for whatever reason, you're joining us, we believe we are united in body, not in body, but in spirit as we come to worship God this evening. So welcome one and all to this service of worship. If you are worshiping with us at home, you can download a PDF of this service and you can join us. You can see the words for the music. You can see the different uh, organization and elements of the service itself, and you can follow along and be part of that, be part of our service as we worship God together tonight. Also, please do sign the online friendship pad. If you sign that friendship pad, then you will uh, you'll be joining us online, and you will we'll know that you're joining us and worshiping with us. And uh, please do sign that online friendship pad. It's great to know who's with us and who's worshiping with us um, as we worship God together. So please sign that online friendship pad. Um, I'm just uh, obligated to let you know as we worship in this space. It's some new space for us, but we've got our doors right there that we're closing because the youth group just ran by and totally distracted everybody. But we've also got an emergency exit at the rear uh, corner back here over your right shoulder in case we need it. We don't need it, but if we do, you'll know exactly where it is. Friends, please do see the Lenten uh, devotional packets that are out there in the hallway. They're in the purple bags. It's got a Lenten devotional in there for adults. It's got something for children and youth in there. And you get a, a great purple uh, souvenir bag you can take with you, Put take it to work, take it to the grocery store. It's got the GPC uh, logo on it, and you can, uh, you can uh, help us spread the word about GPC by picking up that bag. You can join in our journey in Lent together but then you can also um, see what else is in that bag for you and your family, and we'll use all of those devotionals as we go through Lent together here at GPC. Nakomi, save the date. Nakomi is our special churchwide uh, family camp. It's for people of all ages. It's April 30th through May the 2nd, and it is such a great event. Um, Nakomi has been an important part of this church's life, going back decades and decades and decades. Um, I was listening to Andrew Arthur's family talk about him and, and, and uh, his going to Nekome when he was young. And, of course, we'll have Andrew's uh, service here um, in our church. Um, we'll have a private family service in the chapel uh, next Saturday, but there will be a, a public, um, uh, public ceremony in our memorial garden where we'll be outside and we can be spread out a little bit and that's next Saturday. But I was listening to the family talk about Nekome and about how much fun that is. And we want to invite everybody to save that date and to um, fill in a survey that the Congregational Life Committee has sent out. If you would fill in that survey about your um, interest in Nakomi and participation. And then that'll help us plan for that event. But that's going to happen, of course, in a couple of months. And we want everybody to come to that. It's an event for the whole church family. A little bit about our flood, of course. We've been talking about this some, but just an update for everybody to let you know that you can poke your head in the sanctuary and you can see um, what it looks like in there. And what it looks like is uh, not much right now because all the pews have been taken out and they've been put here in the activity center to dry and to store while we restore our sanctuary. The carpet has been pulled up. All the sheetrock's been cut up 18 inches. All the, the wet stuff has been taken and dried out. We had like 186 fans in the building this week, just blowing dry air everywhere. So the, dry, the drying and the cleaning has now taken place, and the refurbishment and the reconstruction will start. Um, I think there's a group here tomorrow starting to work on that. So we are moving ahead, moving forward with that, and we certainly appreciate everybody's patience as we, we worship in a, a different area. But as we talked about last week, any place where God is present, that is a sanctuary and that's a holy space because God is there. So thank you for everybody's patience. Thank you for everybody's um, uh, just cooperation. So many volunteers are helping us get everything straight and organized and moved around. So thank you, everybody, for uh, just joining together as a church family and, and going through this experience together. We are so grateful that we have two new people among us who will go through this journey with us, and so I just want to ask Francesca and Mike Lyle to stand up and kind of maybe come up here and turn around and face everybody. And of course, uh, Mike uh, applause all around. I'll be the loudest to applaud. Mike is, um, of course, our new associate pastor for evangelism and discipleship starting next Sunday, although I think we've pulled him into a few things already and roped him in. But we're so grateful, Francesca, for you and for Mike and y'all joining the GPC family and moving here most recently from Indiana, but both uh, from Florida, both graduates of Central Florida, and then uh, your own journeys have taken you in various places, but now here you are in Germantown, Tennessee, and we couldn't be more thrilled, and so um, anybody who's got a Peabody uh, mask on with the ducks, man, that's an automatic fit right there, (laughs) so that's so wonderful. Thank you so much uh, for being here, and we just can't wait to get to know y'all better, and look forward to Mike, you exercising your gifts and talents and ministry here at GPC, and Francesca, for you to, to be part of our church family as well is a great honor for us. So thank you and welcome, welcome, welcome. Friends, those are all of our announcements, and now let's start our evening service with prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, we come before you tonight, and Lord, we do invoke your presence to be with us. Lord, in this invocation, we humble ourselves and we acknowledge, Lord, that we are your creatures that you have made us, and that you are our God. And because you are our faithful God, because you are true and good, Lord, we come this evening to worship you. And so we pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us, Lord, be in us and what we sing and what we say. Lord, be with us collectively as a group. Be with those who are worshiping at home as well, O God. And may all that we do be done for your glory. We do it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and we pray this in his name. Amen. Good evening, everyone. If you would like to stand with us, we're going to sing first about the greatness of our God, a God
2: that uh, when he speaks his word to us, when he says something, it's as good as done because he's a faithful God. He keeps his word forever. The prophet said that this God that we serve, this God that we worship, that he never goes back upon his word. He performs the word of which he sends to us. And so we want to sing of the greatness of our God.
3: This next song that we're going to sing, um, it's called Jesus I Believe. And for this, I want to make sure we're all on the same page. By what do we believe? Is it just that he's up there, that he exists, that he's watching? Or is it that he died for our sins, that everything that holds us back, we have been set free from? That our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. There's a line in here that says, it's you in exchange for me. What does that mean? Let's reflect on that as we see.
2: you in exchange for me because even the impossible to be reality but Jesus I believe Oh Jesus I you standing on your promises. I know your word is true. You're bigger than what I see. It's you in exchange for me. Cause even the impossible can be reality. Jesus, I believe. Oh, Jesus, I believe. I know your word is true You're bigger than what I see It's you in exchange for me It's evenly impossible you can be reality yeah, I need to hear you now I need to know it's you I'm standing on your promises I know your word is true You're bigger than what I see you in exchange for me, because even the impossible to be reality, Jesus I believe, oh Jesus I believe.
1: While we're getting ready for our message this evening, I'll tell you that uh, earlier today was such a special day here at GPC because it was Children's Sunday at our morning worship service, and we had several kids participate. We had uh, a couple of couple of uh, young guys read some prayers. And uh, some other kids sing and participate in some really special ways. And so we love GPC being a church that is so friendly for children. We remember those verses in Matthew 19 where uh, all these adults are shooing children away, asking them to uh, to uh, be seen but not heard, go away from Jesus. He's way too important for somebody like you. And Jesus says, no, absolutely not. Welcome all of those little children into my presence because it's to such as these that belong to the kingdom of heaven. And so we loved having them participate earlier today, and it was just so good to have that happen. And I was, I was kind of thinking about that when I was in my announcements, and um, the uh, at least a, a, a thundering herd of buffalo went by in the form of our youth group. They had the French fry guy food truck under the covered walkway down there And so I know they were having a lot of fun um, getting all those french fries and whatever concoctions you could make from french fries in all kinds of different dishes they were enjoying. And uh, we're certainly glad for for them and that joy to be with us and even to make a little noise. And we're going to pull a lot of them in here and hopefully this will be part of their youth group programming as well. They'll make a joyful noise in here when we get our schedules lined up uh, and and I hope that will happen really soon. Um, But I'm just so grateful for that and grateful for everybody's presence here. This evening, I just want to read to you from the book of Genesis, and uh, I know our scripture in here is Romans, and that's a a great commentary on this passage from Genesis, but our scripture reading for this evening is actually from Genesis 17. It is the call of Abraham. It's one of several different call stories to Abraham that God delivers, and so uh, hear these words from Genesis chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will make you exceedingly numerous. And then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham." for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I'll make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come before you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This will be an everlasting covenant to be your God and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, and I'm moving on to verse 15 here, God then said to Abram, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no longer call her Sarai, but call her Sarah. That will be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her. She'll give rise to many nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And then, and I love this in verse 17, Abraham falls on his face again. Abram fell on his face and laughed (laughs) and said to himself, Can a child be born to a man who's 100 years old? Can Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe you've heard this old saying. Um, It's one that you hear a lot. I think you'll probably be able to finish it for me when I uh, begin it. This old saying that says, if you don't laugh, then you will probably cry. You'll probably cry, and that's been the case this week here at GPC with our uh, all of our damage control from our flood that happened a week ago Friday night. Um, it's just true. Um, you might cry anytime. Uh, think about all the homes you live in. Anytime your home is damaged, anytime a special place for you is damaged, flood damage, fire damage, any kind of damage, anytime your individual home, um, even take it to be incredibly personal, even the home of your body, this home in which you live, anytime your home or your own personal family home or your church home, anytime that is damaged, it hurts. It hurts. It's kind of painful. And that's what we've been experiencing a little bit this week. And yet we have been focusing so much on the promise of God. There's so many promises of God that says, even when you hurt, no matter what you go through, I will be with you. And I've been focusing a lot this week on Isaiah 43, this great promise of God that says, even when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. They will not overwhelm you. So we know that God gives us protection and we know that God's protection then gives us perspective. God gives us perspective on whatever we go through, whether that's in our bodies, in our homes, in our families, or even our church home together. God protects us And therefore, we have a perspective on what we're going through that other people don't have because they don't understand who God is and they don't know who God is. And so it's true for all of us. If God is for us, who can stand against us? Who can be against us? The answer, of course, is no one. And so I have been so encouraged this past week. I can't tell you what a boon to my spirits it's been to receive messages from so many other congregations and other churches and ministers um, a lot of them very close to us. I do know that the sessions of Ottawa Presbyterian and Independent Presbyterian prayed for us this week. I got messages from their elders saying, we prayed for you at our session meeting. And I was touched by that. I know Second Presbyterian mentioned this at one of their midweek events because several of their members called and texted an email and said, hey, we prayed for you this week. Um, Dorothy Wells at St. George's across the street called me and just was just um, profuse in her Um, love for our congregation, and what can she do to help? What can they do to help? Do we need to use their facilities uh, in any way, their buildings? Can we do, you know, what can they do to help? It was amazing. Um, Wade Cox over at Emanuel Methodist Church just down the road also is just, what can we do to help? We We want to help in any way that we possibly can. I heard from so many different churches. Micah Greenstein, my friend over at Temple Israel, he also called up and said, You are in our flock's prayers this week, because he heard about what was going on. I don't know how all these people heard about it, because I I didn't tell them, but in this sort of instantaneous world we live in, then we're going to hear from people um, all over the place, including five different states, as diverse and as far away as Florida, Orlando, Florida, and Mount Pleasant, Michigan, and uh, all these places in between offering uh, their prayers and their help. And I think more than anything else, some of our own members have put all of this in perspective. They are remembering God's protection, remembering God's promises, and yet also putting this in perspective with love for their church, but also a little bit of humor. A little bit of humor just to help us remember that if you didn't laugh, then you'd probably just cry. And so I just want to share with you a sampling of some GPCers laughing instead of crying comments this week, such as, hey, Will, I've heard we've become a Baptist church because we've undergone a total immersion. Yes, hey, Will, do you think we could stock that pond in the sanctuary and go fishing every Sunday? Hey, if that freezes, and it was obviously frigid last week, hey, if that freezes, we can have GPC's family skating night in the sanctuary. Maybe Jesus could turn all that water into wine. And then I reminded that person we have an AA group that meets every day at noon in the under community room under the chapel. Here's a good one. Um, knock, knock. Knock, knock. Water. What are you waiting for? Let's have church. Okay, so um, I'm glad we're on an empty stomach tonight because I'll just stop right there. If you didn't laugh, you might just cry. But we're going to laugh and get through this. We are going to make this through together. And I love the point about this laughter because you see laughter in the Bible. You see laughter in this passage tonight with Abraham. I hope you heard this. I hope you saw Abraham laugh. Abraham laughs at God, which by the way, is sort of a questionable thing to do. I wouldn't recommend laughing at God a whole lot, but here is a case where at least one person gets away with it. Abram, Abraham laughs. Now, I want to unpack this a little bit. I want to look at this passage because that's sort of at the end of the passage. Let's look at the stuff that comes before that because it is so powerful and it is so meaningful. God comes to Abraham and says, I am, literally, El Shaddai, I am El Shaddai, which means God Almighty. Now, interestingly, in the Hebrew, this this actually means I am God Almighty. El Shaddai, I am God of the mountains, is an actual literal translation of that. I am God of the mountains, the most powerful God. Now, this is logical because in ancient days, uh, you can see this in lots of different cultures. In ancient days, people believed that gods lived in the mountains. People believed that they lived in these hills. Think about Uh, Greek mythology, think about Mount Olympus and Zeus and Hera, Apollo, all those Greek mythological gods, they thought, lived up there in the mountains. Mountains for ancient people were unattainable. They were impassable. They were so high and so majestic, and, and nobody climbed back then to the top of the tallest mountains. I mean, think about them back then No airplanes to fly over, no satellites. I mean, the mountains for them were the most impossible things to imagine in all of their grandeur. Totally out of reach, so that's where the gods lived. That's where the gods lived. (coughs) Excuse me. So I love what the 121st Psalm says. Think about the hills and the mountains and the gods. It's just this great psalm that begins by saying, I lift up my eyes to the hills, and people would say, well, of course you do, because that's where the gods live, right? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? Will it come from all those other little gods, Baal or, or Molech, other gods that were worshipped in that day Zeus, Apollo, Hera? Will my help come from those gods? No. My help comes from the Lord, and what makes this Lord different from all of those little gods? Because this is the Lord who made everything, who made heaven and earth. This is the God who is the real God. This is the true God of the mountains. This is the most high and most powerful God, El Shaddai. Every other little God you can imagine is nothing compared to this God, Abraham. At, the, at this reading, in this moment... The first time he falls down on his face, literally falls on his face, comes when God reveals his identity. And that is this very natural reaction to who God is. Anytime the most powerful, most holy God comes into our presence, anytime we find ourselves sometimes like Abraham, not knowing that God is about to come into our presence, but we're just overwhelmed with the majesty and the wonder of God, then we will fall on our faces because God is so good and so holy it's actually just a wonderful play on words here in this passage in the Hebrew. This phrase, nephal panim, he fell on his face. It appears twice in this scene in Genesis 17. The phrase literally means that you've, you bend over so fast. You bend over so fast that you face plant. Now, I don't know about you, but every now and then, I actually click on the YouTube link, Epic Face Plants. And, and I don't know, it's, it's short of this, what is this um, twisted sense of humor where you get pleasure in other people's demise? Well, you see all these face plants of people. Well, that's nothing new. Face plants happened in ancient cultures. Here it is right here in the Old Testament. Abraham fell on his face when God comes into his presence, this great reaction to who God is. Abraham bows so low before God. And then as this passage moves on, you do see him sort of, he he kind of stands up and he listens to God. And he listens to God deliver this most amazing promise. God uses a particular word in here that is phenomenal. It's an incredible word in the Old Testament about a a very special relationship that God is entering, entering into with his people. God is going to enter into a, what God said, this is a covenant relationship a covenant relationship. I will establish my covenant with you, God says to Abraham. This whole series in Lent that we're doing is a series about covenantal theology. It's about covenant and the meaning of covenant. And there are these different covenants that we see uh, that take place down through history. We saw last week with Kirsten, she preached about the covenant with Noah. We're talking about Abraham tonight. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about the covenant with all of the the Israelites and and what the law meant to them and this covenant relationship with God's people. There's a series of different covenants that take place in the Old Testament until they reach this fulfillment. We call it the new covenant. We call it this covenant of grace, this covenant that is the, the last and the final and the greatest covenant of God that comes in Jesus Christ. So all of these different historical covenants are are leading God's people up to this final fulfillment of the covenant relationship of God with people. The covenant to end all covenants is the one with Christ, but then we trace it back and, and we see it start here with Abraham and this covenant fulfilled later in Jesus. So let's think back a little bit, and Kirsten helped us remember last week the difference between a covenant and a contract. And you know what a contract is? Of course, contracts are established between people for a very utilitarian purpose. I'll provide this if you provide that. I will pay you this and you will supply that. It's a very simple formula. And it's the most simple part of any contract. And that is that quid pro quo piece that this For that, that's usually very simple to name and to iron out. This for that. You know what the most difficult part of any contract is? The hardest part of any contract? The penalties. The penalties. What happens if a contract is broken? What happens when someone doesn't deliver or they break that faith? In other words, what happens when sin intervenes? Now, you're not going to see the word sin appear in all kinds of legal contracts. Lawyers, businesses, companies aren't going to use the word sin in there. But that's what it is. That's what it is when when parties who are at one point in a contractual relationship with each other, but then another party pulls out or another party gets envious or another party uh, doesn't pay, doesn't fulfill, and they break that contract. Broken relationships. It happens in businesses. It happens personally in contracts. But a covenant. A covenant is so different. And a covenant is so wonderful. A covenant is amazing. God comes to us and says, Here, here I am, and here is our relationship. It's not a contract, it's a covenant. It's very special, it's very unique. God comes to Abraham and says, I'm establishing this, this covenant with you, this relationship with you for all the generations who follow after you through you and Sarah. All the way down the line, here is this relationship, here is this covenant. Now, what makes a covenant different? There's a couple of things that are revealed in this reading that are so important about a covenant. I want to focus on these for our last few minutes together. I want to focus on the unconditionality of a covenant and the eternality of a covenant. The unconditionality of it and that it is not bound by time, that it is eternal, or as this reading says, Everlasting, not bound by time. So let's think about the unconditional nature of this, and this is so wonderful. It's absolutely so graceful. It's really actually quite radical in what God does here. God never demands conditions for a covenant. God never says, okay, if you do this, and if you meet this behavior, and if you do this deliverable, and if you rise to this standard, then I will love you, and then I'll be in a relationship with you, and then you will have met my expectations. God never does that. God says, I am your God. I am for you. And that God reaches out to us with grace and mercy and love, even when we are strangers to God. God establishes this covenant with us, this sheer, undeserved, unmerited, unbelievably free, forgiving grace and love of the creator of the universe offered to each and every single one of us. Because I love you and because I'm already merciful to you, because I already accept you, let us live in relationship together. That is God's word to us. It's unconditional. Now, think about Abraham and Sarah, for example, and think about their lives. You think about who they were, and yes, they they did leave their home and they followed God, but all along the way, they were way too human, way too human in some of the things that they did and some of the sins they committed. They, they told lies. Abraham did. They were envious. They wished harm. They had harmful thoughts and harmful actions toward other people like Hagar and Ishmael, sending them out into the, to the desert to die. Think about who they were and some of their sins and, and some of their ways. But God loves them nevertheless. There is no sin. There is nothing that we have done by which God will say, okay, I'm going to stop loving you. That God's covenant is always unconditional. Now, this unconditional part of God's love also reaches into the the most impossible circumstances in our lives. And this is another thing about conditions. That God does not take into account the conditions of our lives in order to keep His promises. Think about, again, Abraham and Sarah... The promise is that they will have a child and that God's promise and that God's covenant with them will extend through this child that they will have. Now, that is absolutely impossible given the late stage in the game that they are in their lives. I mean, they're in the end of the fourth quarter here. Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. It's impossible that God can keep this promise given the condition of their bodies in which they live. But God sees beyond our conditions. God sees beyond our conditions and where we are in life. God sees beyond whatever impossible circumstances we may find ourselves in. And God provides hope in the middle of those impossible circumstances. God does that. And I want you to consider as you you go through these devotional booklets that that Pastor Susie has written and you, you make your own journey through Lent. Think about the conditions of your own life right now. Think about where you are. Remember God's covenantal love love you that's unconditional, that there is no sin, big or small. There's nothing that's plaguing your conscience right now. There, there's nothing that will turn God away from you. God is unconditionally loving you. Whatever lie you may have told, which might seem so big right now, all are jealousies, all the things in which we are all too human and all too sinful our harmful thoughts, maybe even those real harmful actions toward other people like Abraham and Sarah, God redeems those, and God pulls us out of those in this covenant relationship of love. Also, friends, let's think about this. Think about how Abraham laughed the second time he laughed. It was really a, a laughter, not of happiness and joy. It was a laughter of disbelief. We would even say it was a cynical laughter. It was, a, it was kind of a jaded laughter. He didn't believe that God could reach into the impossible circumstances of his life and deliver. But he was soon to find out that God did. Not much more than a year after this, God does deliver on that promise. That God is always making life and and, and fresh things bloom in a barren desert. God is always making the impossible possible and become reality. That is what God does. God brings death out of a tomb. God is always bringing life. God is always making the real possible things happen out of impossible conditions, and that's what he does for you and for me. Maybe you will laugh as well, but it will be a wonderful laugh when God delivers on his promises. And then also, this covenant is everlasting. Um, You'll see this word attached a lot of times in uh, these readings. We saw it in last week's reading with Noah. It's here three times in this Genesis 17 reading. Everlasting, another fascinating word in Hebrew. It comes from uh, our way of looking over at the horizon. So picture yourself uh, at a place where you're maybe, maybe a flat, midwestern plain in kansas where you could just look for miles and miles and miles there's a vanishing point somewhere out there where you can no longer see or think about it this way think about standing on a pair of ra- on railroad tracks and you're looking straight down those railroad tracks and the further you look the the more they converge and come together until they come together at some point at a point and then they vanish and they disappear. The further you look, the the, the further they are, and then they vanish. And the word everlasting in in Hebrew, when it refers to God, it's this idea that there is no vanishing point over the horizon. There's no place where God's love disappears from your sight. You cannot look far enough into your future where God's love will disappear from your life. God will be there. Is there some place or is there some time where God's covenant with you and me and all of God's people, is there some point on the horizon of your existence where God's love is going to disappear? Not a chance. Not a chance. That's what it means when God says this covenant is everlasting. I will be God for you forever and ever and ever. Now again, we know the story as it continues on from here, and we know what happens with Christ and the new covenant And the way that Jesus talks about this is with the word eternal, eternal life. Eternity is not endless time. Eternity is life beyond time. Eternity is life lived in God's love and in God's kingdom. It's beyond all temporal afflictions and beyond sufferings, all pains and tears and all change. in this life will be wiped away. Thanks to Christ's Pains and tears on the cross through His death and resurrection. Eternal life is the gift of God's love for all those who follow Christ. And that's what this covenant is for us. It is everlasting. It will span eternity. Now that ought to make you laugh. With joy and with wonder and with worship and with gladness. Fall down on your face laughing with God's goodness and with God's joy. And so, friends, I look forward to continuing this conversation as we move through Lent. Let us be grateful for this incredible covenant of grace in which we live every day. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you and we are grateful for your covenant of grace. Lord, we think about that vanishing point out there and sometimes wonder if we will ever reach it. And yet, Lord, we know that if we do, and when we do, you will be there, and you will be beyond that. You will be beyond all sight, Lord. You are beyond our expectations. You are so wonderful and so good. And so we thank you, O God, as we think about this covenant of love into which you have entered with us, Lord. We pray that we would be your faithful covenant partners. That during the season of Lent, that we might journey with you toward Jerusalem that we might think about our own, Lord, our own need for you and our own need for grace. And Lord, we continue to worship now, O God, thanking you for this relationship of covenant love. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.
0: Time. Wow, that's loud. We better know. Thanks. Um, As we enter back into um, worship and song, I invite you to stand with us again. And as we sing the song, um, Cornerstone, I invite you to reflect on the words of where is your hope? Is your hope remaining in the Lord or is your hope in something else? And um, if that's the case, um, I invite you to um, ask the Lord to reveal that to you. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood. And righteousness I dare not trust The sweetest frame But wholly trust In Jesus' name Let's sing that again My hope is built My hope is built On nothing less Than Jesus' blood I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name, in Christ alone.
1: be seated. Each time we worship, we have a chance to respond to God's Word and to respond to God's grace in many different ways. One way we do that is to to take an offering and just to offer back to God a portion of the blessings that God has provided for each one of us. And of, of course, we do that in many ways. One way is through a monetary offering. And if you're worshiping with us, you can see the gauntlet that I have constructed by the door so you can't leave without passing by the offering plate. And at least uh, if you put something in it, wonderful. If not, it will at least plague your conscience for not doing that. Um, no, but we don't, no demands there. But we'd love for people to give. And if you're worshiping with us online, then, of course, there are lots of ways to give electronically. There's, uh, there's an app, the Give Plus app that you can use. You can certainly um, go through our church website. And give in another way, and there's also the the good traditional way in which people give right now is often in mailing in a gift to the church. So thank you for all of your support, and we'd love to dedicate our offering um, and remember the purpose for which it is given. It is not given for us just to, to hoard for ourselves. It is given for the sake of the world. And so each time we make our offering, we also have our prayers for the world because we want what we give to flow out into the world especially to those places of hardship and those places of suffering. And so we're going to lift up, our prayer, lift up our world in prayer now also as we dedicate this offering. Let us pray. Almighty God, we do come before you this evening, and we do pray for this beautiful world in which you have created. Lord, you have given us so much. You have given us so much in the beauty of each daffodil that we see opening around us now. Lord, you have given us so much in the voices of the children that we heard speak and sing earlier today. Lord, you've given us so much in the voices that, that have sung for us tonight and in the gifts and the talents that, that exude in this worship service. Lord, you've given us so much in Jesus Christ, so much grace and so much mercy and so much love. And so, Lord, it is out of gratitude that we come before you to pray tonight to dedicate this offering to you because it is given in gratitude. It comes from humble and gracious hearts, as we thank you for all you have done for us. Lord, even as we remember your grace and love for us, we pray for that same grace and love for particular people in our world just now. Lord, we hear the thunder and the storms that are rolling over the Mid-South tonight and in the early hours of tomorrow morning, and we remember those, O oh God, who do not have adequate shelter, those for whom the streets are their home. And so we pray, O God, that you would use what we give and and use what we have, O God, as a way to reach out to those who are suffering and to those, Lord, who do not have the basics of a decent human life, food, shelter, adequate water, education, health care. All of these things, O God, we pray that you would help us as a church minister to all those around us lord on this particular day on this children's sunday where we celebrate the gifts of children in and among us we do lift up children around the mid-south where we think about the shelby county schools that will be slowly emerging from the the covid time of, of shut schools back now in the weeks ahead to in-person learning We pray for all of those children who will be going back to school for the first time, Lord, in in almost a year. We pray for those teachers and those administrators. We pray for those children, O God. May your blessing and your protection be with them. May those schools be places of great love and of great learning. And Lord, we also lift up to you those in our community who are suffering from illness. Well, we pray that what we have given tonight might be a way for our church to reach out to those who are suffering. We think about those, Lord, who have COVID in our own congregation and in our families, those people that we love. We pray healing for them. We pray, Lord, also for those who are suffering from uh, maladies of body, whether that's through stroke or through heart attack, Lord, or through cancer or through a myriad of other afflictions, Lord, that we, we know that we must endure for a season. And so we pray for those who are suffering on this night, and we pray for their loved ones, Lord, that you would bring them healing and that you would bring them hope. Lord, there are so many other needs out there, so many other places and so many other situations that, that we want to pray for. And I invite us now, O oh God, in the silence of this moment, to lift up before you an individual prayer for that person or that place who needs your love. Lord, as we come back and and as we join in prayer for those loved ones, O God, we do pray indeed for this great world that you have made. And as a congregation, Lord, we lift up our individual voices and we join them and blend them together by the power of your Spirit into one voice. As we pray your prayer, O Christ, that you taught us, our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
3: If you'll stand and sing with us, we're going to sing one more song, um, Goodness of God. And sometimes it's hard to sing about the goodness of God when there's a flood and a whole bunch of stuff gets destroyed. Or we're in a pandemic and we have friends and relatives that are sick, even pass away. It can be really hard to sing about the goodness of God. How can he be good in that? I've been going through a study with some friends into Joseph and his life, and I can see him asking that same question, like in the jail cell. Like, how is this good, God? But we know God used all that to save him and his family, and he used that family to bring a man that will save all of us, that saved all of us. I want to read a verse from James real quick. James 1, uh, 2 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, Your endurance has a chance to grow. That word for tested is the same word used by silversmiths Uh, when they're purifying silver. They would put it in a crucible and heat it up really hot and scrape away all the impurities. And then heat it up and scrape away the impurities. And they would know it had been fully tested or pure when he'd look down into it and he'd see his reflection. And it just got me thinking that sometimes everything going perfect everything being our definition of good isn't always what's best, isn't always what's really good for us. And only God knows what that is. And so his goodness that we're about to sing about, it's not a promotion of work, it's not a new car, even though those things are good. His goodness is his mercy that's never ending, his Holy Spirit working inside us to make us look more like him. So let's sing that out.
2: Goodness. Oh God. All my life you have been faithful. it's running after me. me your goodness is running out me. it's running after me with my life laid down I surrender now I
0: give you everything your goodness is running out me. it's running after me all my life you have been fail
2: so, so
0: good, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God, I will see of the goodness of God.
1: I love James 1. I'm so glad you mentioned it. It's such a great chapter in the Bible. I was, uh, I was reflecting on some of its words also this week, and I'll share these as a charge on our, on our leaving tonight. It says this Be quick to listen, and be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. And doing that, my friends, I think we'll love your neighbor, and we love God. I give you a charge every time we leave it is to go out into this world to love the Lord your God, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and dwell in your heart and in your mind forever. Amen.
0: Close like the other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful.
2: All my life you have been so, so good.
0: With every breath that I am made, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh my God. All
2: my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good.
0: With every breath that I am made, The goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running out, it's running
2: out, to me, Your goodness is running out,
0: it's running after
2: me, With my life laid down, I surrender now, I'll give you everything. Your
0: goodness is running out it's running out away Your goodness Your goodness is running out it's running after me. Your goodness is running out it's running after me. Your is running out, it's running out to me. My life laid down I
2: surrender now I give you everything Your goodness is running
0: out it's running out. My life, you have been faithful. Oh, you won't stop now. All my life, you have been so,
2: so good. With every breath that I have made,
0: oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God.